This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cue the apprentice music because the master is about to take on the challenger. The precursor to what might come in the league, it's City versus Arsenal at the Etihad Stadium in the FA Cup. Today is Thursday the 26th of January. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie McCool. I'm Andrew Detmer. And this is the City Report podcast. Where is going from? Oh, the goal to keep this extraordinary run going. Sergio Aguero. Unbelievable. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. It's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. Much like Pep Guardiola's team selection this year, I think this is a new combination for this show. So uh, nice to see Ollie. Nice to have you back, Andrew. Obviously, um, back again after after the merger, the famous merger, which is is working out fantastically. Um, quick question, because we were chatting about this last night privately. Accents, um, Andrew. I want to I ask you, as someone who's spent a lot of time in the United Kingdom and obviously lives in the US. For anyone who doesn't know, what is your favourite accent from the United Kingdom? And don't feel obliged to say Mancunian because you know I'll hold my hands up. It's not the best. Like let's let's get it out there straight away. It's good, but it's not the best. And what's your least favourite? So I don't know the exact name of the accent or where it comes from, but like the Kira Knightley accent. Like, oh, is that just because it's Kira Knightley? No, no, no. But like, that's how I would describe it. Like, it's a very almost ethereal kind of okay. Like, just the yeah. way she speaks, and it's just like I, I, I'm totally enraptured and have no choice but to listen. Uh, that's followed closely by the Brummy accent, which just brings me so much joy. Like, yeah, yeah, especially when it's Jack Grealish. Oh, that guy could talk all the time, and he'll just. I'm always happy. As far as like least favorite, I mean, maybe it's colored by my deep hatred of Jamie Carragher and 
the scouts in general, <laughs> but it's just so whiny. Like it's just so high pitched mm. and nasally. And that's just not a, regardless of if it's a person's voice or any other accent, like if you're going high pitched and it's nasally all the time, I'm not, I'm not about it. Starting off with the Keira Knightley one, I, I'm not sure what we define it as apart from like soft spoken English actress. I don't know if that's a, if that's a, if that's what it will. I'm looking it up right now Keira. to see if what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, There's it, it, it might it. have it might have a term. Um, in terms of you, then Ollie Andrew said Scouse is his least favorite. Now I'm a bit indifferent to a Scouse accent. I think someone like. Uh, speaking of actresses, Jodie Comer has a fantastic. You know, you could I could listen to someone like that a lot. I think maybe some people are, are put off by the Scouse accent because we spend a lot of time listening to, as Andrew says, whiny Liverpool fans going on about literally anything that may offend them or may get um, get them worked up. But you know, maybe it's the distance to me. It's only what thirty miles down the road. I quite like a Scouse accent when it's done properly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a couple of my good mates are scousers. Well, they're actually wolves because they're from Birkenhead. Uh, you know, <laughs> t- but to the but to the uneducated, it's pretty much all the same, isn't it? I don't mind it, um, but yeah, Jeremy Carricker does my head in. But I don't think that's because of his accent, really. I think it's more what he's saying than how he's saying it. Uh, mm. Favorite accent? I mean, I- I'll defend the Northwest like my life depends on it most of the time. But for <laughs> me, I've- Scottish Highlands accents are just the nicest. Ooh. Smoothest voices. I could listen. I could listen to them all day long. Yeah, that's a, yeah, a good Scottish follow. Scottish Islands. Yeah, Scottish Islands are great. When you get past for me, when you get past Edinburgh, and it's a bit pretentious. It's a, you know Edinburgh people are fantastic, but they've they've obviously it's probably one of the mo- the more um what 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 do you say like the, it, the it's got influence from uh, po- maybe not maybe. maybe yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's got influence from all sorts of, you know, a big university scene, etc. Um, but when you get into like Scottish Heartlands, dear me, you, you could I could listen to them go on forever. Um, we'll stop rambling then. We'll speak about some football because we have got a, quite a big match to preview. Uh, regular listeners who, I mean, the schedule has been thrown out the last couple of weeks because of Thursday night games anyway. But usually we will do, and it is the case this week, we have our preview show on the Friday. That's to come tomorrow. So stick around for that. This game obviously taking place to tomorrow. Uh, what are we on Thursday? Yeah, tomorrow, uh, Friday night. City versus Arsenal in the FA Cup. Andrew, I'll start with you. It's a big game in terms of the context of the season. Jeopardy-wise, there's probably not as much uh, riding on it, which makes us fall somewhere in the middle. What are your thoughts heading into this fixture? So I think, for me at least, the... While the Jeopardy may not appear on paper in this match, being the an FA Cup match, and if we don't win, you know, it'll be disappointing, but I don't think City fans at the beginning of the season, like the FA Cup is, you know, I'd rather win that than win the Premier League, obviously. But I think mm. because we are looking at a Arsenal team that, besides Gabriel Jesus, Arteta, and Zinchenko, have never been in the position they're in right now. They're going against a city team that, while has had some wobbles this season, is just, you know, been the dominant force in England for the past five years. Mm. So, to me, I think this match is important because I think it sets the tone. I think if City win this match, say like a three three nil win, and they just play Arsenal off the park, the doubt's going to start to creep into Arsenal's mind of all those players of like maybe we can't actually do this. And so for me, mm. I think the important thing is not the result. 
it is the feeling for both teams slash sets of fans when the whistle blows at the end. Yeah, I, I was going to come to this, but we'll get straight into it uh, right away, Ollie. In terms of what this game means going beyond the fixture itself, and we will refocus on the on the ninety minutes um, against Arsenal tomorrow. But in terms of going beyond that, in terms of the rest of the season in the Premier League, is it is it sort of is it important? I know that's a weird way of saying it for for a knockout FA Cup game against the Premier League leaders. But say, for example, City got beat on Friday night, went out of the FA Cup. You know, we're not even in February yet, and City would have been out of both domestic cup competitions. They would then have just two opportunities to win a trophy this year. Currently, five points behind Arsenal in the league table could be eight if they win the the, the game in hand. It is important, I guess I've answered my own question, isn't it? To set down a marker and say, you know what, boys, you've had a good run. Second half of the season, this is when we get going and this is when we start to flex our muscles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at how City Seasons has gone. It's been, I don't want to say stop-start, but it's been, you know, kind of throwing back from one to another. So, you know, I think I think the Spurs game the other week summed up perfectly, you know, kind of typical dogged first half Got, got into the game, but then obviously conceded the two goals, blew them away the second half. Uh, Wolves game was kind of, the, kind of the same sort of thing, a bit dogged, but there was just those moments of brilliance that show mm. what City are all about. So I think the I think the performance matters here because it's it's a it's about mentality as much as it is, you know, the actual result. If City go into that game like Andrew said, play them off the park, the doubts are going to creep into Arsenal's head. And, you know, if City go and play off the park, that's going to give them such a boost of confidence, uh, especially with the two games against Arsenal coming up in the Premier League in a few weeks' mm. time. Um, so I think, that's, I think that is really important. And frankly, the FA, Cup, the FA Cup's a trophy we haven't won, you know, all that often um, in recent years. We've only won it twice since um, the Abu Dhabi ownership came in, mm. only once with Pep, but we've reached the semi-finals, I think, every year par the Centurion season. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's an opportunity for City to go and win a trophy here. And the draw could open up really nicely. You know, we said this about, we said this about the Carabao. You know, if City, <laughs> if City got through against Southampton, they would have had a really kind of interesting ch- chance at winning a trophy early in the season. It didn't, ha- it didn't fall that way for us. But the FA Cup's another one of those where I think there's a chance to win a trophy. It's a prestigious trophy, one that is arguably more prestigious than the Carabao outside of Manchester City. Um but you know, I think it's 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 all these little things that make this a much bigger fixture than you know it would usually appear to you know a standard top six cup draw would be usually. Yeah, it, it's we, we've had so many of these conversations, Ollie. I think you've been on most of the match previews before cup. Uh, domestic cup fixtures this season where we said you know it's a big game we've played Liverpool Chelsea twice now Arsenal in the domestic cup competitions obviously City's only defeat game against Southampton who were bottom of the table which is typical City this season really isn't it but um, I don't know if you saw Arteta's quotes Andrew in his press conference in the build-up to this a lot of it predictably focused on City versus Arsenal in the league not in the in the in the cup itself and it was interesting he was asked about his relationship with Guardiola and obviously did the typical um he's a good friend of mine we worked together for so well uh, we, we worked together and it was really good for so long blah 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 and he was also asked this was the interesting bit for me he was asked whether or not he'd take pleasure 
in getting one up on Guardiola. And he actually said, if I'm being honest, I'd prefer to be going head to head with someone else in the fact that I always wish the best for, for Guardiola and I always wish the best for him, you know, in terms of success, which I think Roy Keane is currently throwing up inside his mouth thinking that is not how football should be. But we're, we're at a stage now, not only where City and Arsenal may or may not be emerging as the two the two superpowers in this league. It has been the case so far this season, probably more Arsenal than City, to be honest. But we're also getting to a point where these two managers know each other so well. We could possibly, a bit like it was against Liverpool for a couple of years, we could be starting to see the start of like a three or four-year period where these games are the ones where everyone has their eyes on them. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Arteta is an interesting manager because unlike most other inexperienced managers that we've seen who are big name players in the Premier League and then they step into management, mm-hmm. Arteta didn't try to go off and be his own manager from the beginning and try to show, oh, I, I have this innate skill. I mean, he spent three years working under Pep Guardiola and we've seen what Pep Guardiola is like as a boss for the players. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine the level of detail and preparation and work that someone like Arteta had to go through for those three years. And I think it speaks well of both Pep and Arteta that after all that time and with him leaving to take a job at a rival, they still have that feeling of goodwill towards one another. And I think it's because they both approach the game from a very similar perspective and belief and philosophy. And which is why, in a way, I think... This could be an even more interesting uh, dynamic for the league if Arsenal are for real. And whether they win this season or not, if they compete again next season, we know they're for real. And I think seeing Mm. two managers who have this incredibly uh, attacking, possession-oriented, just aggressive style that is about winning the game rather than not losing it, I think that bodes well for the league, and I think it bodes well for us as fans watching. And frankly, it probably bodes well for neutrals to A, not have it be the exact same two teams, but also there's nothing stopping some of these other teams from also stepping up. And so it, maybe it isn't mm. just the two, but then uh, United under Ten Hag, they, after next season, are ready to go. And maybe Chelsea figured their stuff out. I think it just overall, we're heading towards an era where I think the top of the league will be far more competitive than it ever has been since Pep really got his feet under him in England. Yeah, I, I was having this exact conversation um, on the way to the Wolves game a couple of days ago, and, and I was saying, like, at this moment, I can't remember back to what it was like pre-City-Liverpool rivalry, because it was so long ago and so much has happened in between. But I, I really can't imagine City and Arsenal getting to a position where it is let's use the word what uh, that's that's been used to describe it as toxic as city liverpool has been and and i don't know about you ollie i don't know whether or not we're we're sort of being blindsided by this because arsenal have sort of come out of nowhere really and with liverpool there was that 2018 season when city got 100 points where i think liverpool finished fourth uh, they must have done because they, they won the champions league next year so they qualified for that but they got to the champions league final and there was this sense wasn't there, that yeah next year they're going to be there or thereabouts and and you know they they absolutely were 90 92 points didn't win the league, 93 points didn't win the league, I can't remember. Probably a bit more than that, wasn't it, that year? Um, but what I'm getting at is I don't know if if I'm being naive and saying that City-Arsenal isn't going to get that way because of this sort of relationship that already exists. Whereas with Klopp and Guardiola, I know there's 
sort of people have dubbed it the friendly rivalry, Guardiola hugging Trent Alexander Arnold on the on the sideline and stuff like that. But it, there was always a little bit of I don't know a little a little undercurrent of of needle. I don't know if that's the same here. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. But I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe it develops into something like that if this continues. You know, if this kind of I don't want to call it a rivalry. It feels weird calling it a rivalry. But yeah, yeah, you know, a contest. Yeah, it's a contest, and I think that's what it is for this season. Um, and and also, you know, Liverpool, Manchester City. You know, it wasn't ever it wasn't ever a really a proper deep hated rivalry. But there's always, you know, it's Liverpool versus Manchester. There's always, you know, a kind of an association with that for the fans at least. And you know, however Guardiola and Klopp acted, you know, in front of in in front of the media and all that. It was quite clear that they didn't really get along. You know, you can't imagine them going mm. out for dinner or sharing a meal together, can you? Um, but you know, but we've seen Pep and Arteta do that. You know, as colleagues, and and I'm sure you know in in private they've had a couple of you know meetings away from all the ca- all the cameras because they're good friends and they see football as as Andrew said in a very similar way, and you can see that in how Arteta's Arsenal plays. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot that he's taken from Guardiola, and you know. You know, maybe, maybe it gets a little bit, it gets a little bit more needly. You know, if this ramps up over the next couple of years, maybe this season. You know, especially with you know how social media is nowadays, and you know, mm. you know how, how there's always going to be idiots online who try and make more of it than something is. You know, but you know, I can't, I can't exactly imagine Arsenal fans throwing bottles at City's bus, and you know, <laughs> you know, then saying, "Oh, stop crying about it." Um, allegedly, nothing, uh, nothing was ever proven. Yeah, was alleged, it allegedly? allegedly, according to the Merseyside Police, um, he is me with controversial comments on this podcast again. Here we go. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it's ever going to, you know, reach the le- reach that level because there's just too much respect there. And I think there's and I think there's more respect between the clubs than there is between you know City and Liverpool and City and and City and United when Jose was there. You know, that was kind of the pre rivalry before. Cop, you know, announced himself with you know Alison Becker and Virgil Van Dyke. Um, so, you know, there's there's all these little things that aren't there yet with this Arsenal rivalry. But you know, if Arsenal beat us to the title this year, we take it back off the next year, or vice versa. And then you know, cup draws like this keep happening. Um, God, God knows what could happen. I, I don't really want to think about it that way because you know that's not why I'm in. I don't watch football to hate Arsenal. I watch football <laughs> because I love Manchester City. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a nice way of putting it. And um, I guess I guess we won't know until it happens, and it might not happen. Arsenal might drop away at the end of this season, or they might go on a a ten year dynasty. We don't know, but um, I'm certainly looking forward to this game. I think it'll be a good test for City. Hopefully, they can put down a marker, and uh, and we'll be back in part two actually to speak about who will be playing in that match. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Before we get into the City predicted lineup, Andrew. It's going to be tough scenes in Chenko at the Etihad and it being in the red and white of Arsenal, isn't it? It'll be tough in the sense that I miss him, but I will say that I am one of the f- fans who, from the beginning, have said that I hold zero ill will to Zinchenko. And if Arsenal mm. win, I'll actually be, in a way, happy because I want to see both Zinchenko and Gabby do well because they were such good servants of the club. And mm. It was time for them to move on and time for City to move on from them. Uh, but I think particularly in the case of Zinchenko, it was time for him to go off and prove that he's a Premier League level starter and at a mm-hmm. pretty serious club because he had chances to go to a team like Wolves where he was going to be you know, a guaranteed starter. And he said no. And he had chances to go abroad and he said no. And then he said, I want to go to Arsenal. 
and went and completely displaced a pretty solid left back in Tierney who had started mm. consistently for Arsenal and Zinchenko I think has been key to Arsenal's success this season so yeah it'll be tough for him to not be in our colors and I think that he is someone who gets the club and gets the fan base more than some players do but at the end of the day I will always cheer that kid on particularly in light of everything else that he has to be dealing with um, related to yeah. life for his family and friends back home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By by that, by tough, I meant the last time we saw him there would would have been when he was wrapping the Ukrainian flag around the Premier League trophy and, and welling up. And as I'm saying that now, I'm starting to go a little bit, I'm starting to get a little bit teary. Um, but I think, you know, I absolutely echo those sentiments in the sense that I wish nothing but the best for him. And and going back to the conversation we had in the first part, and it, it sort of speaks volumes about, about this game because it keeps going back to the title conversation. But if Arsenal were to go on and win the league, I would be more than happy for them at this moment in time. Who knows what's to come? Who knows what, what the games lie ahead? But I think as long as City weren't denied a trophy, even in the last sort of, you know, last two games of the season, if if City if City on the final day can still win it, then obviously I won't be I won't be doing somersaults around my room. But if Jesus and Zinchenko won back to back titles, if Arteta took Arsenal to to a league title, I'd I'd be I'd be happy for them. I'd be happy for them. It wouldn't I wouldn't lose sleep at night. Um, let's refocus our attention on Manchester City then, because this this is an interesting one because we've become accustomed to Ali actually quite distinct cup lineups, Premier League lineups, Champions League lineups. There's been very little variety in terms of one lineup has been quite in in recent years has been the polar opposite to the other in the sense that City would have a Premier League lineup strongest team when the cup would come along firstly because of City playing so many matches but second of all for having so many sort of not so many players but having players at the disposal who can come in and, and you know you can use the squad players at the moment though I feel like it's a little bit different. City's squad isn't as as deep as it once was in terms of quality. And second of all, City don't have that many matches this month. Seems crazy when there's about there's about eight or nine still. But in terms of no League Cup semi final, uh, no Champions League until February, and then uh, sorry, uh, February the fifth is the next game after this one. So there's about a nine day gap in between them. There's nothing stopping City going full strength in this game, is there? No, not at all. And I think that's what actually I want to see. I want to see City play. You know, the team, the te- roughly the team they've been playing. Um, you know, Pep, Pep made some. You know, I don't. I don't think we should keep going back to the comments he made after the Tottenham game. Oh, as you know, mm. our analysis for the next few weeks. But it's said a lot about what Pep is feeling about this squad at the moment. He's clearly unhappy with a fair few members of it. So, and I think that's going to play a massive part in his thinking. You know, if say this. If, say, we had a game on Tuesday, you know, I think it would be a bit different and he'd mix it up and he'd bring some of those players that he's not happy with back into the squad because they need minutes and, you know, all that sort of thing. But there's a week in between, there's, you know, over a week in between games here. So Pep, Pep should go, you know, absolutely with the team he wants to pick and not consider, you know, handing out handing out a game, essentially. You know, I, I don't want to see, mm. you know, rotation players as such being on the pitch I want to see our full strength lineup because I, you know as we spoke about in the first part it's about laying down a marker here it's about the mentality of the team so why wouldn't you go out and play the team that you know you can trust and the team that are showing hunger and desire this season you know I can't imagine you know those players who've lacked hunger and desire all season are suddenly now up for it because it's Arsenal in the FA Cup fifth round <laughs> or fourth round fourth or fifth round um, fourth yeah fourth. there we go um, so 
you know, Pep's just got to stick stick to his guns here and just play the team that he thinks can win the game, but is also the team that he's happy seeing out there. You mentioned the Tottenham uh, press conference, and I, I was listening to Sam Lee on the Why Always Was podcast, and he made a great comment in the sense that whatever happens to City this season, we'll always remember that press conference as either the start and the turning point, or not so much the downfall, but the moment we got when you know what something isn't. It sort of confirmed our bias in the sense that something isn't right. And I think it, it's fair to bring it back up because we're heading into this game now, Andrew, and and City in terms of their recent sort of uh, success rate, having won a trophy almost every single season under Guardiola, are almost, you know, they need a result here in a sense, don't they? We mentioned getting to the semi-final in all but one of the seasons. The, the standards are that high now. City have to go on and compete in this trophy, given how poor the League Cup run was, meaning it has to be as close to first uh, a full-strength 11 as possible. And I, I'm wondering what that sort of looks like for you, because at the moment, finding City's strongest 11 has been one of the toughest tasks over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing we know for certain based on how Pep operates is that Ederson will not be in goal because hmm. Pep really does believe in his cup keepers and giving those matches to them. So I think uh, Ortega will be in goal. I think based on form and desire, we're looking at Rico Lewis at right back. I think Stones and Ake both have to start. I think it's a question of is Ake at left back and we bring Diaz back in for his leadership and mentality and to try to mm. kickstart that stones Diaz duo that has been so phenomenal for City since Diaz has come in. I think you're looking at Rodri at defensive mid. I mean, I, not Calvin Phillips, is he not? I, I'm thinking possibly. Rodri's played a lot of football. I mean, maybe, but I think you're just setting your. I don't think you can start Calvin Phillips in one of his first. Mm. I mean, it'd be what his third or fourth start of the season for us. You know, second, second, maybe second. Yeah, um, I don't think you can start him there. So I think you know, I I hope to see Rodri as a defensive man, especially with nine days off, and then. You know, Kev got some time off, but we did look a lot better against Wolves without him on the pitch. So I, I would lean. <laughs> I, I think you have to bring him back in, and I think he will. But I think there's arguments for why you wouldn't. So I think it's Kev. I think maybe Gundogan for his big game kind of retention and mm. everything. And then I would presume Mares, Holland, Grealish, or Mares, Holland, Foden. Mm, interesting because I, I've seen a few predicted lineups already, and I think a lot of them don't have Julian Alvarez in the team. And for me, mm. this is this is a tail a tailor made game for Julian Alvarez, Ollie, in the sense that you know whatever you want to say about jeopardy, it is a cup game. It is the fourth round. If City went out, it would be bad and it would be detrimental in terms of the long-term plan, but City haven't expended too much energy at this point to get to this game. He obviously shone in the last round against Chelsea at the Etihad Stadium. He was so good against Spurs. He probably could have got a goal against Wolves, if not for sort of maybe maybe some better finishing. And 
I know we're not rotating the eleven, but you do have to sort of get these starting eleven slash slash fringe players in at some point because you don't know when the games are going to come after that. Does Alvarez find a way into the team? I know Andrew's just sort of said what his his eleven would be, and I'm struggling to find out where he might go. But I suppose it would probably look like something something we had against Tottenham, where Alvarez is playing behind Haaland. Yeah, and I mean, whenever Haaland and Alvarez have started, he's always been in that kind of position behind Haaland, almost as a number. 10. Um, so obviously I think his competitor for that spot is Kevin De Bruyne and it, fe- it you know, th- there's a natural instinct within me that says you know, it's Kevin De Bruyne, you start him every game but you look at his form over the last few months and even though, you know, he had that return with the assists for Haaland in the last game, I just it's not, that, it's not that you don't trust him, because obviously it's Kevin De Bruyne you know, how could you not trust him, but it's also He's not been on it for the last for the for mm. for the recent games, and Julian Alvarez, as you say, he looks tailor made for this game. For, for me, Julian Alvarez will be starting a hell of a lot more than he has done. Um, you know, usually in a out wide position and then mixing up with the midfield and doing something different there. Um, but I think I, I go along with Andrew's thinking on most of the lineup, but I probably would pick Julian Alvarez over Kevin De Bruyne. Um, to start or you know may, maybe you take a risk and it is a Gundo when he drops it or maybe you know we have the you know the ter- the terrifying idea of Gundo at defensive midfield <laughs> and, oh. and uh, you know do like an Alvarez De Bruyne type thing I can't see that happening personally but just imagine the seeds an hour before kickoff if, when that lineup oh, came out God. Um, but yeah um, uh, for, for me the st- for me I think the only place that's really sort of assured in this team at the moment is Erling Haaland and Rico Lewis and you know <laughs> for me which every I, I think I've said it every time I've come on this podcast Rico Lewis should start this game and I don't think he has most of them um, oh there we go so so there's there's me cursing well you're forgetting Rico. that he's now the Premier League starter and not the uh, yeah, the yeah this is a crazy mm. thing he, he is like he is our first choice right back now and I couldn't be happier to say that because he's just been brilliant and he just puts such a smile on my face every time I watch him play so I really hope he plays this game and I really hope he just absolutely bosses it as he has been doing. Fearless, absolutely fearless, which is, um, I suppose he's not been damaged by the scars of previous years in terms of a footballer and, and you get that with with uh, young teenagers at times, but in terms of his quality, it's unquestionable. I'd, I'd, I'm at the point now with Rico Lewis where if his name is on the starting starting lineup, then I'm not I'm not going, oh God, look at that, there's an 18-year-old starting at right back, I'm like, their city's like you say best current fullback in the team which is which is mental um but chaps we'll call it a day there obviously like i said tomorrow we've got our usual prediction show that's another fa cup weekend one so look out for that um in terms of what else to look out for we've had the ginger wig on for one of our don't look back in anger episodes go back and listen to that that came out on wednesday really good chat me and uh, sorry I, I i had it with with ginger wig and it was a really good chat so go and listen to that one um andrew thank you very much for joining us it's been a pleasure cheers as always amos thank you very much i'm about to go and try and find out what what accent kira knightley has uh ollie thank you very much for joining us it's been a pleasure no problem thanks for having me once again and until next time we will see you later
Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.